0: What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. This week's episode, Adesanya and Costa finally collide. It is Sunday, September 20th, 2020. As the title says, we'll be talking about UFC 253. But before that, we'll recap UFC Vegas 11, the grudge match between Colby Covington and Tyron Woodley. Big finishes for Hamzat Chemaev, Mackenzie Dern, Johnny Walker. We'll talk about what's next for Donald Cowboy Cerrone. And we will discuss Michael Chandler officially signing with the UFC and being the backup for Habib vs. Gaethje. What's up, guys? My name is Gabriel. And I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G.
1: How are you doing, man? Ready to commence the Phi Island Like, dream of four four or five. How many cards in a row?
0: Five. I can't wait. It's five. (laughs) I mean, you know what? I think it's, um, they've got just some good fights. I think that, uh, obviously this is going to be big, but I think when you talk about all of the rumored stuff for Habib Gaichi at the end, and I think that Ortega versus Zombie, people, that's when people are going to be like, oh man, like, I really got to tune in next week for Habib and all that. So, I think that's it. Um, it. Everything is set up for a home run this Saturday with Izzy and Costa. And I think just if that doubleheader delivers, I think it's just going to be a vibe that carries throughout the month. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: I mean, let, Island. I'll, I'll say this. The, I like the promo that they, I think Dana White posted it. Um, It's just literally like the little spit of, land with the octagon and a palm tree on it and i was like yep that's that's what we were all hoping for Um, they're
1: still selling that
0: (laughs) uh, you know what it's i'll say this i hope they got some new ideas planned i hope they do the fight island canvas and everything we talked about so that's my one thing about it
1: yeah, I think it it was really funny that, you know, they, they built the octagon out there and like every everyone that I was following on Instagram or, you know, Twitter or whatever, of the media or fighters that took pictures there, it was just like everyone said the same thing or wrote the same thing. Oh, you know, I finally found it and I took a picture, but it's like an oven out here. It's 130 degrees. So just took my picture and going back inside now, it was just like a, a giant, you know, cardboard cutout of an octagon essentially that you could pose with and then.
0: Going yeah. back to your ac <laughs> in my mind it's like if you're a fighter like do you want to be pressed up against that fence no you're gonna oh feel like God, you're being God. branded yeah you know, with the shirt on to block you would it, be so. branded <laughs> yeah it, it's like dude that's you know but i get it it looks cool all the pictures look nice all the time so that's for sure but yeah natalie we're not there yet though ufc okay. vegas 11 we got a we had a mega card on saturday um you know yesterday so guys we're doing shows on sunday uh it's a scheduled thing it just works better for me and natalie same show same great price free but you know what i mean (laughs) you know it's just coming at a time that allows us to perform better overall for everybody but yeah same great mma daily goodness um you know so last night tyron woodley colby covington I wanna start off by saying this, that was the best Tyron Woodley that we've seen in a while, especially after the Kamaru fight, after the Burns fight. I thought Tyron started off well. The output was lower than I wanted, but I could tell that he was really just looking to use his physicality. He was trying to pick those spots to the body. He tried to rip some kicks to the legs, really kind of try to chop away the mobility. I think what it came down to Natalie is that Colby did not leave those openings. I think he fought, a, he fought and executed a great fight. he pushed forward he set up a few good shots, but he got his wrestling working and I think as soon as it was clear that Colby was winning the wrestling, things just started to roll downhill. Second round was very close, but arguably you could also give that one to Colby um, and everything from there, I think one. 3, 4, and 5, you know, before it got stopped, that was really a wrap. So, yeah, I, I want to say that um, in terms of Tyron, I didn't think that he looked, he wasn't, a, he didn't have the victim look out there. He wasn't, you know, like, oh my gosh, what's this guy still doing, fighting? It was nothing like that. I think that he honestly just fought a very tough style matchup. And I think that he just, um, he was outperformed. And yeah, could he raise the output? Yes, but then I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say to you, oh, he looked bad in the first round. He looked solid. And I think short of burning all his energy with the output, that was the second best uh, strategy he could have employed. It's just Kobe Covington, we're reminded, for all of the, the show he puts on for us, he is one of the best welterweights out there right now.
1: Yeah, it's so hard for me to uh, admit that because of the show, as you meant, as you say, that he puts on. That's a nice way of putting it, by the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that it's just really hard for me to admit that he is um, very skilled, difficult to... to, like, um, a difficult puzzle to solve. You know, a skilled welterweight is a difficult puzzle to solve. I saw it a little differently than you and as far as the um, Tyron... As far as Tyron Woodley goes. So to me, Colby just owned him, even from, even from the beginning. Now, the big takeaway, though, with that in mind, is less about Colby's dominance and more about Tyron's decline. You know, that, that's how I saw it. I didn't, you know, <laughs> hearing you talk about it makes me want to go back and watch the fight, honestly, because the way I, I walked away from it was feeling that Tyron, I didn't see much from him. I felt like he hardly threw any punches. He sort of seemed eager to be on the retreat. Well, not eager, but, but wasn't fighting against it. So Colby was pushing him to the cage, and, and Tyron just let it happen is how I, how I viewed it. The whole time I was watching, I felt, I felt confused because it seemed to me that Tyron, like his heart wasn't in it. And, and you, you, you also alluded to that look, you know, the lost look that he had, especially during the Usman fight. It wasn't that bad. You're right. It was not nearly as severe. But I, I still felt that there was an expression in his eyes that, that had a little bit of, you know, I'm not sure I want this anymore. I'm not sure I want to be here anymore. And that's fine. He had an amazing career. He was a great champion. It's just hard to watch. Um, because when you look at his physique and you remember how he used to use his body so well, I feel a little bit like just frustrated. Like, why can't he put it, put it together? One and two, three and four, you know, whatever it is. It's just, it's, it's more that his mind, his heart, to me doesn't, just doesn't seem like they're in it anymore. As for Colby, okay, here's my one my, my one view, uh, opinion here on Colby. It's actually a repeat. I want to reiterate my comments from a few months back. We were talking about him. It must have been before his, um, his Usman fight. And I, I, I said, if his shtick, if he's going to stick to this shtick, right, the show... I think he has to work on his mic skills. And I'm sp- pointing specifically to that interview, that post-fight interview with John Anik. I don't know how you viewed it, but to me it was cringe. It was cringeworthy <laughs> because you could see him reading his lines. Like it was so obvious there was a paper down below or someone was holding a cue card or something. It was so bad. So my only note to Colby is memorize, memorize, memorize mm-hmm. your, your lines because it, it makes it even harder. Like if he was so – if he was committed – truly committed to that character I think people would maybe even hate him less it would be more like the wrestling persona that he's trying to to um to take on but because he's like in this middle ground where sometimes he does it sometimes he doesn't and you can you can see the wheels spinning in his brain when he's like oh I have to be mean right now I have to say something about Tyron Woodley being a terrorist and I have to really commit to saying he's a communist like you're gonna say that really polarizing stuff you know I don't
0: know, man. I'm surprised Just he got commit. away with saying it. To be honest, uh, I Dude. feel like look, I, I was listening to that, and then I'm like, if we were in NBA and you had one of those guys who, who's winning in the playoffs say that, CNN would have been all over it. You know what I mean? This would have been uh, all over the place. But because it's UFC on a Saturday night, you know, it kind of stayed you know, within our MMA bubble, but yeah, I was like, oh gosh, that's, like, imagine LeBron James saying that about, what's his name, Jamal Murray on the Nuggets, who they're playing right now? Yeah. Uh Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Imagine that, what would happen, so.
1: It's incendiary, and, and, you know, I don't know who the reporter was that was kind of pushing Colby, kind of saying, like, are you sure you want to stick to this? Are you sure you want to commit to calling Tyron Woodley a communist, and can you explain why you feel that way? You know, that, props that. to that guy for trying to push, but, you
0: know. <laughs> no, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Um, I'm going to put a pin in the Tyron Woodley stuff. We'll go back to it before we uh, move on from the card. Uh, in terms of Colby, um, I, I want to address all of it. For, first off, he fought a great fight, and he got the win. Um, I, you know, this morning, they posted the x-ray, Ariel Hawani. That is a broken rib for Tyron Woodley. The x-ray looks painful, so just imagine that inside your body, yeah, that was, a, that was just a big W for Colby. He just kind of, however he kind of sat on him, put that weight on him, the fact is that rib cracked under it, and oh, boy, you know, so. Um, Pin and, like I said, we're going to c- circle back around to Tyron. In terms of Colby and the call-out, uh, he called out the right guys. I think he did not execute it properly. He wants a rematch with Usman. Uh, They posted it. Usman was there as an analyst. They had their little back and forth. And it was a lot more the same that we saw leading up to the first fight. You know, it's like, okay, you know, they don't, they're just kind of uh, pounding their chest and getting in each other's face, yelling a little bit. So uh, nothing really new there, but I understand, Colby, you're trying, literally, this is the guy you want to rematch. Do something with it. Okay. I think the fact that Usman's already scheduled for burns... Hurts his case. I think the fact that most people see something different for Usman after that hurts his case. Masvidal, that's better because we don't know what's going on with the Nate Diaz fight, but Dana White essentially kind of made it sound like it's not a slam dunk like it was when he, you know, it was announced a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I've said this and I'm going to double down and... You might see this come up in a press conference sometime soon, <laughs> but I seriously think Colby, Jorge, Ultimate Fighter coaches, and pay-per-view January, or February. Why not? Honestly, yeah. That, I mean, I, I feel okay. like the personalities, the story, uh, personalities sell the Ultimate Fighter that you could get people to. You, know, you could get people who only have ESPN Plus to try Fight Pass to watch Jorge and Colby, I think. I really think that. Secondly, the fight's a no-brainer in terms of uh, pay-per-view, bolstering or just carrying one on its own if you have a good undercard. I, I really think that's the fight to make, and if Jorge doesn't fight Nate, I don't think there's any denying it now, personally.
1: No doubt that a Jorge Colby on tough would be ratings gangbusters you know bonanza it would be I think going back to what I was saying about Colby's mic skills I think it would be a challenge for him to be on for such a long period of time now of course you know they're not always being filmed and you know there's breaks and stuff but I think that in real life facing someone like Jorge Masvidal over and over and over again I think he's gonna get a little tongue-tied so I would definitely be interested to see that of course, the fight, as Colby himself describes it, you know, friends become enemies. That's, that's, a, that's a great uh, headline there. And who doesn't want to see it? Colby, I don't know what his fan following is, but based on, it's got to be strong, right? The president of the United States is calling him. And I think people who support the president sort of support whoever he supports, right? So I think, his, I would suspect that Colby Covington would have a large fan following. Jorge Masvidal has a big one as well. So on paper, right, this makes perfect sense. Lots of eyeballs, lots of money. My only hesitation is, like, I kind of feel the way Jorge Masvidal has indicated. He feels about this and probably would feel about this being booked is, like, why give this guy the platform? Why give Colby the attention? But, uh, you know, that's, that's like, irrelevant, right, in the fight game, the prize fighting game. Um, it makes money, and it's going to be a good fight, so sign me up is I guess where i where I end up here
0: I think that um they got the kind of attention you can't really quantify like I'll say this right now the Donald Trump phone call during the Megan O'Levy interview on the post show that might be it just when you like look I get it it's it's Colby. I'm not going to talk about politics, but I know people are divided every which way, so I'm not going to, you know, expand on that. But when you talk about a non-champion is fighting, not only did he get the president's endorsement last week, but, you know, we're how many weeks out? month and a half-ish? Less from the national election for the president of the United States? And he's calling on a Saturday on television? Yep. Damn. That's all I'm gonna say about that. That's something yeah. you can't really put into words. Like, whoa. So, but what? you know, look, Exactly. So that that's something you gotta. You, I take it into account. Very plain and simple is what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, that's something. The Jorge fight is there, but uh, if not, I mean, maybe Edwards just to put that feather in his cap. Um, maybe to see who loses between Kamaru and uh, Burns. I think that could be what's next for Colby, uh, but if it's not Jorge, I think you're going to wait a minute just to see what's the biggest fish you could get. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know. I think
1: so. And sorry, I was just looking at um, Donald Trump's Twitter page just to see how many followers he has. 86.1 million, and uh, that's a lot of eyeballs. <laughs> you know, not not obviously not eyeballs on the fight, but eyeballs on any message that he posts, and if it mentions UFC, if it mentions Colby, that's a lot. And
0: uh, Yeah, he's in know. charge of something important, isn't he? Uh, you know. He's <laughs> got a big yeah. house.
1: Yeah, he lives in a nice, nice house.
0: Nice fence. Nice plane. Yeah, he does have a nice plane. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's move on. Let's yep. move on. <laughs> We're having fun. Um, you know what? Uh, Hamza Chemaev, I'm sorry, but that was the most slap-to-the-face, put-you-in-check performance probably that we've seen this year. Just all the talk about, oh, he's double-booked, and is he hype, the wrestling, what else does he got, Um, the kind of back-and-forth that he started with Gerald Mearshart, which I'll be honest... I didn't realize Hamzat was a trash talker. I feel like we didn't get that. He was just kind of like, oh, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to win. And suddenly we're hearing about him pushing people and talking trash. And he just, that was just nasty. I almost used words that would get me, you know, censored on national television. That was (laughs) just, I, that, that is the most demoralizing loss I can imagine for a lot of guys after all that talking, you just kind of get smacked like that. I was like, wow.
1: <sighs> yeah, man. That was, like, I had, I mean, they replayed it. And I went back and watched it, too, like, immediately. Like, did he even land a shot on on Kamzat? Nope. No, he didn't. And actually, initially, I thought that was Kamzat's first strike. But he he kicked him. I think he kicked him in the stomach or something. Yeah. So the second one. And wham, well, bam And, like. The power! And you could see Gerald, like, his hand was coming down, coming up on the left hand. And this guy just snuck his fist right in there because it wasn't fully open. Um, yeah, demoralizing is right. It makes me think of, it was a different finish, but it makes me think of Kat Zingano. But at least she she went out on her sword, you know, she, she sort of sunk her own ship. She went out because she tried to attack uh, Rousey right away. Poor Gerald just was standing there with his hand up and wow, peace. I mean, for Hamza, so.
0: to me that was similar to Sean O'Malley, Eddie Wineland a couple months ago. Oh, it yeah. had like just that kind of swag, like oh well, you see, this is, and he just, bam, it's like that. Yeah. That was the, what that looked like. Uh, statistically, I mean, we're talking about if you, you know, I think this is why it's frustrating that it doesn't get more credit. When you look at Ryan Bader and what he did in the heavyweight tournament, and it's like, oh, Fedor, you beat him, you don't take a hit. Matt Mitrion didn't land anything. You knock out King Mo in, what, 13 seconds? All of that together, and it's like, dude, that is very impressive to go that many fights, and you don't really take a fist to the face. Homsad doing that as a newcomer is like, in a lighter much more active and output weight class, that's just, that's just wild, now look, the competition's gonna get bigger, but the fact that he did that at 185, and you're talking about a guy who's gonna go down to 170, most likely in the next fight, it's like, oh boy, that is something, so, uh, I'll say this, uh, for Hamzad, I mean, um, Damien Maya. I feel like Damien Maya is the one with the upside there. I'm gonna tell you something about the booking though for Hamzat. Damien Maya today is ranked number seven in the UFC rankings. I would not be surprised mm-hmm. if there's a bit of movement and uh Hamzat gets a 15 out of nowhere. But um, well not out of nowhere, we know how he got it. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I'll say this if uh, if you look at the fight. Right now, most people probably have Hamzat too young, too fierce um, against a retiring Damian Maia, right? Hamzat takes out the number seven guy. Suddenly, number se- let's say he takes number seven. Suddenly, hey, fight the number four guy in the world? Is, th- is that so crazy? No. Paulo Costa, he went from, I think, Uriah Hall to Yoel Romero, who is coming off title fights like it's not unheard of the right matchmaking sets you up for a big jump so I think that if you're Hamzat hey, you take out a top 10 person the right top 10 person and suddenly we're putting you in a big fight and all all the selling points make sense yes, he hasn't look, I'm not saying he's out there beating a Colby or Leon Edwards Jorge Masvidal but In terms of the numbers, well, you wanted him to fight a top 10 guy? We just gave him number 7 in the world. Check the box.
1: Yeah, I mean, is there a date on that already? Because I know that's what was sort of upsetting.
0: They said November originally. No, they said Fight Island originally. Then they moved it to November. Then it looks like Dana White's probably talking to people to see who's willing to take on Hamzat in the next month.
1: Yeah, I was going to say they should get somebody sooner because if he's willing and he's on fire, he's uninjured, especially from this fight, didn't get touched, then let him go, man. Let him make some money. Let him build his brand. Keep the train rolling. Um, Yeah, so that would be great. I think if they could send him to Fight Island, just sneak him in there, that would be awesome.
0: I mean, uh, I'll say this, is that he keeps this... I'll say this, two more wins, we're talking about a title eliminator, if not a title fight, at probably 170, in my opinion. Because I think that if you were to have Kamaru beat uh, Gilbert Burns, um, then it depends on the selling point. Can they sell a Jorge rematch? Can they sell a Colby rematch? Or, Hamzat who's probably gonna get You know, if he wins again, probably a Leon Edwards or something like that by next year. Suddenly we're talking about a title fight. They're just clearly all in, cannot get enough of them, And that's just been made very clear listening to Dana, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's the the title shot uh, or the shot before the shot is not far from from his view, indeed.
0: Anyway, um, Mackenzie Dern, uh, she slips, but man, the (laughs) jiu-jitsu... That was another beautiful submission. You could tell she was trying to get some special and she said as much, but Ronda defended. So Mackenzie had to go for the millionth arm bar in women's MMA. Well, just a regular MMA history. Yeah. But the fact is she got it and she, you know, she showed why she's next level on the ground. Um, big deal. I think that, you know, having her winning, that just adds an exciting player at strawweight. So I do like that. Um, Johnny Walker, I'm not going to lie. They, we were about to pour out another bottle for our our guy, man. That one was looking like, hey, all the hype was going to get <laughs> That was shades of Corey Anderson for a minute, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh man, this is going to be very bad. You know, for a guy we were talking about as a, you know, one fight away from maybe having a title fight with John Jones to now getting knocked out in two out of three, it was going to be bad, but he rallies back. Um, Ryan Spann gets a, you know, he he just kept himself in a bad spot and Johnny Walker starts unloading those elbows. Just brutal.
1: Yeah, man, the, the Johnny Walker fight, I had the same feeling. I was like, Oh no, here we go. It got tense, right? It got tense. I, I, I thought like everybody else, he was, he was going to be finished. Uh, I think his chin proved to be the real winner here uh hopefully it holds up because if he gets into trouble like that on a regular basis it's going to be an issue but uh it gave it gave him it gave johnny a chance to find his opening and yeah those those elbows man hammer fist they're they're vicious punishing um and i think we were all happy to see how he celebrated at the end just a nice little sit seat down on the canvas there going zen so that was great um Every time I see him, I look at that scar and I just shake my head. I think, God Almighty, like how how compromised have you become because of that? If at all, we don't know. But it just, man, <laughs> it's so silly. Uh, real quick, Mackenzie Dern. Yeah, man, that that slip was um was funny. She admitted it. It was uh, it happens. It's happened to Rose Namajunas a few times. But yeah, her doggedness on the ground. It's you know it's what we expect, but it's also always surprising to see just how good she really is. I don't know why Random Marcos followed her down there, but you know she um, displayed some flexibility, which is always funny to me to hear the commentators like kind of cringe when they say the women are so flexible. Oh my goodness, because <laughs> that arm got got twisted, but good. So uh, you know, strong performances from Mackenzie Dern, Johnny Walker, by the skin of his teeth uh, got that win, but um, yeah, that was close, man. I, I think he's got to still work on being a little more careful.
0: I mean, it's just a lot. I think that it's going to be, I think that Johnny Walker probably has the best uh, chances just with the shakeup at 205 pounds. I said this, uh, and I know that um, rankings-wise it does not make sense, but depending on what's going on with Glover and Tiago Santos, I once asked Johnny Walker this. It's like, hey, what about you and Santos, man? That would just be damage for all 15, 25 minutes they schedule it. You know what I mean? So there's good fights out there for Johnny. I think Mackenzie just needs to uh keep doing her thing. And I'm sure they're going to... I need to look at the rankings. But, you know, I think uh, Rhonda was uh lower in the rankings, if not kind of on the bubble. I think that Mackenzie, she's going to look at someone around number 10 and, you know, one fight at a time for everybody. Yeah. Uh, Before we uh, move on to Michael Chandler, uh, Cowboy Cerrone, Nico Price. X's and O's, Nico started strong. Cowboy rallied. Fifth round was just, sorry, third round was just razor close. I thought Cowboy, but it was a few punches that probably sealed that for Nico. I'm going to just say this bluntly. The eye poke saved Cowboy from from his fifth straight loss. Because, you know, both both judges, or two out of three, gave the third round to Nico. That would have been a 29-28 without the eye pokes. That would have been another loss for Cowboy. Dana White kind of said as much that we need to start talking about calling it a day for Cowboy Cerrone. I mean, any thoughts on the fight and just what's next? And I want to say this. Cowboy, you know, when you talk about, like, oh, he's taking so much damage and... The fight with Gaethje and Tony and Connor, you know, he was kind of not durable. He took some damage and he came back in the, that fight.
1: Yeah, he did. He was durable. He can't, okay, hold on. Before I, before I go into that, because I'm pretty much on the same page as you, you talked to him, right? Did, did, and I, I think I just missed it. What was his reason for fighting at welterweight? Because I thought he was done with the, uh, with the big boys.
0: He said that's just the one that they, you know, sent over. It's like welterweight, lightweight. It's like just like that's what they gave me, and that's why I want to fight. Okay, all right, know, fair enough. I mean, he's just wired he's, that
1: way, you know. He's cowboy, yeah. He's like, all right, fuck it. Okay, excuse my language, but okay. So it was looking serious for him. He came back and made it competitive. So that was good. I was relieved to see that, and and it was still hard to watch, though. So my 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 main question is. Like, what do you? What everyone's question is right. That's what we're all wondering. What do you do now? Like, what's what's the right path for him? Because you can't tell him not to fight. He's that's hit That's who he is. That's Cowboy Cerrone, right? And he's gonna want to keep fighting till. I don't know. I, I feel like it's still too soon to tell him not to because he was competitive. Yeah, he would have lost the fight if not for the eye pokes. Yes, he would have. But he was still in there. He was still giving in giving as good as he was getting. It's just that I think Nico Price got that advantage from the first round and, and that was kind of well, the first round, the first half of the round, after the eye poke, um, after the stall, he if Cowboy came back, he was, you know, re-energized. In any case, I'm just looking at the rankings in both weight classes and it's like Cowboys ranked fourteenth, I think, in one fifty five. Yeah, and the one fifty five division, like what what kind of I think what he has to ask himself is, like, what kind of career does he want at this point? Does he just want to fight for fun? To say that he still has aspirations to, to get the belt, I think, you know, that doesn't look very feasible anymore. When you look at who's at the top five of this division, he was there for, for a bit. He was hanging in there, but he just couldn't break through. So it's, it's a really tough go, no matter who you fight in either one of these divisions. And so it's just like, does he just want to fight whoever is below him just to be in the fight game, or does he still have you know, eyes on, the, on, a, on a prize, whether that prize might be staying in the top 15, breaking into, back into the top 10, or something even higher. Um, ultimately, I think you just got to let him continue fighting until he doesn't want to fight anymore. How do, how do you see it? Like if you're Dana White, what, do you, uh, what are you going to do?
0: Oh, why is you got to do me like that? Sure. <laughs>
1: how do you say, see it? How do you say say it, double G say it?
0: it? Set it up like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, you know what? What I'll say about it is that um, I think that uh, when you look at Cowboy, five in a row, I, I think that um, I think as much as he's in it for a good time, and we know he enjoys this, right? I think he's a realist, and I think he knows, yeah, the belt and all that probably probably sailed away probably after you know the conor mcgregor fight ended you know what i mean yeah um in terms of all of it i I think look if this is what he wants to do that's fine but i think that even dana's like look you know how do i look how do we look as a company if we let this guy go out there five months from now and he loses potentially you know number five number six in a row depending on how you look at it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um i think that a cowboy has uh, some fight left but i think that you gotta be real and it's almost unfair but it's like look you gotta probably accept the fact that the big fights are not an option anymore you know i think that the results kind of speak for themselves uh, yeah, the Pettis fight was controversial, but the fact is, um, I just don't see those big fights happening anymore with better results. I think the Cowboy's been in it a long time. I think he's fought for a long time. If you want to give him exciting matchups, that's fine, but if there's not a W there, I think the UFC is probably just going to say, hey, look, we love you. Um, If you want to go fight somewhere else, go for it and good luck. And we'll have maybe, you know, an ambassador job for you when you get when you're done. But for now, you know, we can't in good faith give you more fights. It's just that just may not happen. Now, I'm I'm glad you brought it up because I want to come back to it. If Dana White is about to say to Tyron Woodley, hey, you know, you're going to you're an analyst for us. You've been on TV. We want to continue this relationship. I could see. Why not? Woodley versus Cowboy. Let's just all have a good time and ride off into the sunset.
1: Oh, my God. Retirement fight for both of them? Why not? I mean, Fun yeah, fight why makes not? sense.
0: They both compete well.
1: Yeah, they do. They do. I, uh... <sighs> I would I mean of course I'm going to watch it if that's if that ever happens. It just seems kind of kind of like a tough pill to swallow if you're both of those dudes it's just like all right we're done but we're going to finish we're going to walk off into the sunset together. Um it's so romantic, heck, isn't it? It's so romantic. <laughs> yeah, a cowboy on his horse and Tyron Woodley, I guess he can have his own horse too.
0: He, he's um, he's country. He did the MMA yeah. awards skit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah i mean that that kind of creativity i like it you know the ufc is not really known for it so uh we'll see but it it makes me think of like i wish they had a legends league right because even though maybe people feel it as sort of could view it as being sent out to pasture it's like going to an old folks home essentially but it wouldn't be because it's just it's just basically fighting to your level and there's nothing wrong with that um
0: Well, there's the Legends League. Tyson and Roy Jones, two months from now. That's
1: right. So yeah, I mean, we see it, right? Bellator did a couple of those fights early on with Scott Coker, came on board, and um, they're fun. They can be fun. And these guys are definitely still in it enough to make it, it's like big three basketball, you know, they're still in it enough to make it exciting.
0: I mean, it's it's one of those things, like, uh, I don't like it because it's like, look, these are two guys who have really given a lot. And I think it's just the fact, it's like, hey, you know, it's not me to say like, oh, this is done, that's done. I will, what I will say, though, is to lay out the scenario Um, is that, hey, you know, without the results, without getting the wins... At this stage of their careers, it is hard to be like, "Hey, let's um, you know, let's gear these guys back up for another run." Is what I'm saying.
1: There, yeah, there is no, there is no yeah. another run with, for 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 these guys right now. And that that's the sport, you know. It's no no knock on them. It's just what happens to everybody. Yeah, in the fight game or not, you know, at some certain point, I'm not going to be able to. Uh, I don't know, run up the stairs <laughs> like I do now. <laughs> So our time comes. The time, Our time will come
0: for everybody. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to be that 100-year-old guy telling, come on, catch up.
1: Yeah, I, w- I want to be that, that With, with my
0: rolling oxygen tank. Now you got to get a get backpack. Get up here. Get the backpack. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, good stuff. It was a great fight. Great night of fights on Saturday. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the big news, huh? Michael Chandler is officially with the UFC and... He is the backup for Habib vs. Gaethje. So that news came out last Thursday. Chandler leaves as a former three-time Bellator champion. Um, I forget exactly where he's at, but essentially it's him and Patricio Pitbull. They are split with like most victories, most championship fights, most championship wins, among other stuff in Bellator. Um, Quite frankly, Michael Chandler, statistically, he can't really build a better resume in Bellator anymore. Um, I'm sure, you know, the prospect of getting the belt back and all this was on his mind. I'm sure PFL and one championship crossed his mind. But I think that if you look at the MMA world today, it was always going to be UFC or Bellator. And I think that if those opportunities were going to be there... I've talked to Michael Chandler about this before, and it's like, you know, i got to do what's best for me. If you think about it, the fact that they're saying, hey, we're signing you to be the backup for the lightweight championship. We're not having you fight, you know, the top six or seven guy. You are coming in possibly to fight number one. I think that says a lot, and I'm sure that was the deciding factor that moved it along quickly, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, it
1: had to be, had to be. That's a That's a great, like... Um, uh, like, uh, like a pat on the back to him, to them, to to him, right? To say, like, we think so highly of you that we're willing to give you this spot. And it would be risking the pay per view, you know, the the dollars they would get for pay per view. Like they have, they believe, they must believe that he's a big enough name to be better as a backup than anybody else in the top five or top ten in their division. That's very interesting.
0: Well, I'm gonna bring that up um let's play uh let's be optimistic i do believe that both habib and gaethje are going to make it to the fight in a month about a month from now so um sorry michael i hope you enjoy your flight um and the everything else abu dhabi i heard the hotel is nice but um let's say he doesn't fight uh tony sorry habib or justin who would you want to see him fight first in ufc if
1: he doesn't fight Habib or Justin, so meaning the he's not rec- he's not pulled in as a backup, so he's just uh, yeah ready to go. First of all, if that happens, meaning he's ready to go but doesn't get used, I hope they turn him around for the next card. Um, but of course, depending on who his opponent ends up being, easier said than done, right? So let's. I'm just gonna put aside fight date for a minute. If he doesn't fight Justin or Habib. I kind of want to see him fight Conor McGregor actually (laughs) that I know that's so random because Conor's like is even in the UFC and I swore I wasn't gonna like consider him for fights but I think that would be interesting like they're both um they both have this like confidence and swagger
0: um you feel like they'd be perfect to silence the other kind of deal is that it
1: yeah, I guess so. I'm just, I'm just thinking like I really just want to see Tony Dustin and so I don't want Michael Chandler to get in the way of that and that's, I guess that's where my problem is. Okay. Uh, where, where my hang-up is Dan you, Hooker would be a good one too.
0: Do you think, okay, so because I was thinking, um, you know, I'm going to hit you with this one, the loser of Justin and Habib for Michael. I feel like that could be, uh, that would make sense. But here's the thing. I feel like they'd, either one of those guys would take a long break Yeah, exactly. Um, Oh, boy, oh, boy. I do think that if everyone holds to the schedule, I think that you're going to see Chandler fight Charles Oliveira. Charles is on a great win streak. I think that, quite bluntly, Chandler, similar to when Eddie Alvarez made the jump, lightweight division was locked in and Eddie faced this, you know, young guy named Cowboy Cerrone. Um, I think that UFC is going to stick to Tony and Dustin. And I think that, uh, the winner of that will probably be looking at the winner of Habib versus Gaethje. I think that Charles Oliveira, I don't know where his uh, health is at and where his injury, because I know he pulled out of the Benil fight, but I think that that fight makes sense because I think if you beat Charles Oliveira, you beat a guy who's on a great win streak, just beat Kevin Lee by like second round submission and suddenly it's like, well, you know, where are one of these top four guys at? Where are you guys who are losing? I'm on a win streak right now, guys. And, you know, suddenly it all makes sense. So I'm going to say Charles Oliveira. That's uh, putting the money on that. Okay. Assuming like that let's say, you know, I don't wish anything bad, but for whatever reason the other guys can't take a fight. Obviously, you know, Michael and Tony and Michael and Dustin and Michael and Justin. Man, give us anybody. That's a great fight. So Um Let me ask you now. Michael Chandler takes the role of backup. So if something happens to Habib or Justin Gaethje, they are not going with Tony Ferguson. They are not going with Dustin Poirier. What do you think about that?
1: I mean, what? This is really my reaction. Why on earth would they pick, which is, I guess, yeah, I was was saying that earlier. Why do they have so much confidence in Michael Chandler's ability to be the backup, to bring in the, you know, um, um, a, a near, like, substantive amount of pay-per-view money and eyeballs why why is he the guy I'm surprised no offense to him I'm just surprised when you have someone like Tony and Dustin there that have way more I would think a way more ability to bring in eyeballs to, to bring attention and is more deserving I don't think that Michael Chandler coming out of Bellator even though he had a great win over Benson Henderson like That's not enough to shoot you into the contender spot of the freaking 155 at UFC. That is a killer division. Uh, It's very surprising to me.
0: To me, um, I'm going to play devil's advocate. If Habib were to pull out, well, we just saw Tony versus Gaethje. Um, If uh, Justin, you know, If it's the other way that, you know, it's like then Dustin Poirier versus Habib if Justin pulls out. So it's like, well, you know, there's kind of a, depending on how it plays out, there's almost like a no-win situation. You know, you almost, like, let's say they pick Tony. Obviously, if it was the worst case scenario or Justin Gaethje to pull out and suddenly we get Tony versus Habib, yes, that would be awesome. But if it's the opposite way, it's like, well, we're just kind of screwed. No, that's why. Yeah, we just saw that fight. Yeah, Yeah. that's why making the Tony Dustin fight was such a big deal. Michael Chandler has none of those issues. So, yeah, I don't know. I I do know that Dana. I'll say this. I I don't think any. I don't think the way that Tony and Dustin advocated for each other. I feel like. I like that they supported each other. I think the UFC, though, is like, guys, we're trying to put a fight together and save a card in case of emergency. So, you know, I think in that way, there was maybe some friction that maybe led to the call being made. If that makes sense? Because if you think I about see. it, when do you think Michael Chandler put pen to paper? They announced it on Thursday. When do you think that the deal was official?
1: that morning or the night before Wednesday Wednesday before you know before the Thursday
0: so you're telling me that they signed this mega free agent they finished negotiating they finished all the numbers they put pen to paper a month out from arguably one of the biggest cards of the year that to me is like hey that just kind of goes to show how quickly they were like you know what we've moved on from Tony Dustin and I feel like you know, that's part of UFC, like nothing stops the train, you know what I mean, and um look, all of that, you know, that's business, that's other people's money, which I'm not one to get into, but I feel like that was probably the major factor, is like, hey, UFC is like, look, we're trying to leave the fight island this morning we need this uh, done and over with because we're not about to be staying up till 3 a.m. just to talk to you at 8 a.m. in Vegas, you know what i mean? So i think that's just where they were at.
1: You have enlightened me because you're i think you're, you're probably right that when you look at who the backups would be if Khabib or Justin drop out, if you look at, you know, Dustin Tony, it's like, okay, it seems like they'd be great, but if it if the <laughs> If the wrong fighter drops out, then you're just basically seeing a fight you've already seen. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Then you're looking at who is on your roster after that. Dan Hooker, Charles Oliveira. Is Michael Chandler bigger than they are? Yeah, yeah, I guess he is. So, okay. Now it makes sense. Thank you. I, I, kind, of, I kind of can see the light now.
0: I mean, then my role in life has been fulfilled. I've done my job. <laughs> Yeah. No, but um, that's the only thing I can think of because um, if you tell me today that you think that Michael Chandler in terms of he's great, he's great, but you tell me he's bigger than Tony Ferguson or Dustin Poirier, nope, I can't tell you that, you know. But look, he's in USC, win the fights. That can change very quickly. Yeah. Did you hear about this guy named Hamzat back in March? I sure didn't. <laughs> now nope. he's you know now he's like law and order svu Daily. Yep. yes now he's on like he's like law and order svu it's like no matter where you're at you can find something about him Yep, you know but yeah so that's uh i think that's exactly where we're at and why the wheels started turning as quickly as they did on thursday before they go to fight island natalie zamudio we have reached the fight of fights the night of nights the one one of the biggest nights in middleweight title history: Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa. Um, there've been a lot of big fights when you think about it. Anderson Silva versus Chael One and Two, Vitor Belfort, the rematch with Weidman, um, Adesanya versus Whitaker. Um, that was another big one. Certainly, plenty in history. You know, with Anderson and Rich Franklin and all that other stuff. But for sure, I think in the last. I don't know, maybe five years or so since Anderson was champion. I would argue that this is the biggest fight in the middleweight division. Um, the characters are just so intriguing. Israel's obviously the man of the moment. Paulo Costa, uh, he's just, he's like a video game character when you look at him. And Izzy, too. This is just a lot of fun. I wish we didn't see them being friendly this morning because I, I like the beef. <laughs> But I'm sure they're gonna put it uh, back, the mask back on this week. But um, yeah, this is just that fight. It's gonna be good, no matter how long it lasts. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, as far as the video goes, yes, I agree. It was like, oh, they're shaking hands, but there was some tension in the air. You know, with the what they both had those like um, they call them gaiters, with right, the mask that you wear that are wrapped around your whole neck. There was tension in the air, so I think that we can still hold on to that. Um, but I, uh, I mean, whew, this is the fight we've been wanting to see. Paulo Costa, when you, when you put them up side by side, it's like those two physiques don't belong in the cage together, right? Like they, you would think that they would be, they should be fighting different in different weight classes, but nope, they're, uh, they're in the same. So I'm looking forward to seeing... How much matrixing Israel Adesanya can do, I think that's going to be the key to his victory. And in doing so, causing Paulo Costa to fatigue and um, being able to either take advantage of that with points, like by point fighting him or weakening him enough, his resolve, his stamina, that he can hurt him with, with some punches or kicks. So that's, uh, that's sort of how I see that going. Um, but you know, I'm also curious like how, okay, you know, Paul Costa has been kind of jabbing at Israel Adesanya a lot. How much is that bothering Adesanya if at all? Um, and if it's going to be contentious once they get in there, that's what was on my mind before I should say, but then that video came out and it's just kind of like, Oh, (laughs) whatever. But, um, with Adesanya, I can, I can sort of tell that he's, he's a gentleman enough he's not going to be uh uh like a knucklehead about it in public and try to start a fight he knows where his bread is buttered and he's going to save all his real energy for the cage and so i think that has a lot to do with why they were so cordial to each other but the, in the eyes you could see there was a there was some serious business going on there how do you uh how do you think costa is going to stand up to adisanya's like movement and evasiveness
0: oh i feel like we've been waiting all year to finally talk about this man um you know what uh to me the biggest thing about it is um how does uh fight costa compared to other guys so we have seen against robert whitaker you get at him and he gets going Adasanya is like an assassin we saw against yo romero you know, if he finds, you know, Costa's trying to get him to come to him and save some energy, suddenly it's a different fight because suddenly mm-hmm. Paulo Costa pushes the pace a little more in a few moments. We're stealing rounds and not really having too much engagement. For my money, the way this fight plays out is a lot of stick and move for Matasanya. I think that um the biggest key is don't linger in the pocket. Do not... Plant your feet when, um, when Paulo Costa is moving forward. You've got to really pick your spots. You've got to force Paulo to get out of position because that's where Adesanya is going to be the most lethal. In a straight, short-range battle, you are essentially giving Paulo Costa all the chances to win that fight. Now, if you're Costa, I think the big thing is uh, leg kicks, footwork. Leg kicks, footwork. Every time Izzy feels like he wants to sit there and set up his punches, you really gotta just rip those kicks and to the calf, to the thigh. Make him feel like he, you know, can't move around. That's gonna slow him down, that's gonna help you corner him in the cage, and really you get him up against the fence, you just rip to that body, you know. Don't try to knock him out, just really start to do damage, and that's how Paulo Costa is gonna pull off a big upset in my opinion. A fight like this, I don't see it coming down to, oh, you know, some guy landed the big punch in the middle of the octagon. Um, I think it's going to come down to a methodical breakdown, opening setup. I don't think it's going to be wild. I think it's going to be control chaos, but the offensive output on both guys is what makes this fight so epic. So that's what makes it so good. Is it that time, Natalie? I think it's that time. Yes, it is. It's that time. Are you sure? Mm-hmm.
1: I believe it is that time. Double G.
0: Ladies first. Who do you got?
1: Okay, I'm going to pick the winner of the fight. No, sorry. Israel Sonya, <laughs> is my pick, and I think he's actually gonna win by decision. I think he is gonna be able to stay out of range. He'll get. He'll get. He'll eat some punches for sure. I think both sides are going to get wobbled, get stunned, but they're going to stay with it. The difference for me is I think Paula Costa is going to run out of, out of gas. And so he may not be able to get knocked out, but he's not going to be able to, to knock anyone out either. Uh, so I think Adesanya is going to win by points. Stay loose, stay evasive, land when necessary. Uh, your point about the leg kicks from Costa, that's definitely something of concern. So Adesanya is really gonna have to be on his bike, and uh, I just think there's no way that that Costa can last, you know, five rounds trying to chase someone like Israel Adesanya down. So Israel Adesanya wins by decision.
0: Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, I'm with you, Israel Adesanya for the win. I think that, um, yeah, the cardio I think to me is just gonna be about. Israel taking the initiative. I feel like he always steps up to these big moments, right? Whitaker, mm-hmm. uh, Derek Brunson. I think the key for him is just when you get Paulo out of position, you really gotta let it go. You really gotta put some extra pepper on those shots, whether it be the direct hit, the counter, whether it be the kicks, uh, you know, you're going for a head kick or something when Paulo's out of position just really let it go and I think that's what's going to be the difference I think he does that he's able to really um just do the damage he needs that'll wear down Paolo because I think that if Costa isn't getting those exchanges like everybody else has given him in his UFC career then it's all going to start going the way of Israel Adesanya and Costa very strong very powerful very good I do also predict if he doesn't get his offense going suddenly the gas is going to run out twice as fast and i think that's going to be a real key in this fight
1: yeah all right so do you think you, you say it's going to decision as well
0: fourth round tko
1: oh okay
0: for Sanya. last like style bender
1: mm-hmm. okay same page but not the same book <laughs> now that doesn't make any sense <laughs>
0: It's okay. I mean, we, we agree. That's what matters. We agree he's going to win. That's all that matters. Why yeah. are you, hey, why are you acting like we're done? we got one more. Dominic Reyes versus... Yeah, I know. one more. Yeah, well, versus... no, I'm not done. I'm not done. Uh-huh. I think you forgot. Dominic no. Reyes and Jan Blahovic. <laughs> Dominic Reyes versus Jan Blahovic for the Light Heavyweight Championship. It is a new era. We are post-John Jones officially. Um, You know what? Uh, I think my thing is that if you're Dominic Reyes... You kinda gotta, you gotta have an encore performance. He looked brilliant against John. That is still one of the best. That is still the best fight of his career. I think that you have to be more multifaceted. I'll be honest. You have a much less dynamic, much less multifaceted strategy coming at you than you did against John Jones and Jan Blachowicz. I think if you're Reyes, it's a great time to rediscover your wrestling. It's a great time to use leg kicks. It is a great time to get on the bike. Um, I think that if he learned anything from the John Jones fight, it should be, you know, do not try to empty the clip chasing him down. I do think Dominic is faster than Blahovich, and I think that's going to be a big key. But Jan is a very tough guy to put away. I think in the last few years only Thiago Santos did it. So if you're Reyes, pick your spots. Rip the leg kicks. Try to take him down. Similar to Colby Covington. But do not try to get into a wild exchange. If you feel like you have him hurt, don't just try to blitz if he's still pretty fresh. I think that's a big thing because I'll say that in the pocket, Blahovic is more dangerous than John Jones. And I think that that's a position that Dominic Reyes was very strong in in the Jones fight. You have to fight Blahovic a lot uh, differently. Still winnable, but then on the other side, with Jan Blahovic, I think the key really is um, push forward, kicks, body shots. You gotta take all that wind out of his sails. You've got a guy who's trying to go out there and prove he's the uncrowned champion. You just gotta go out there and fight the fight if you're Jan. I think you go out there. Um, calf kicks just really set it up he's got beautiful striking he's well conditioned himself disciplined defense keep pushing forward that's how Jan Blachowicz wears down Reyes for a unanimous decision and you know what I'm going with Polish power I got Jan Blachowicz for the win I think he's just gonna catch Dominic Reyes okay. second round
1: second round Wow, I'm sorry, wow, I got wow, a wow. little
0: pumped up there. Go for it. <laughs> no, no, I jumped I'm the gun thrilled.
1: a lot. <laughs> I'm thrilled to hear that. Okay, so um, short and sweet because you you laid it out beautifully. Dominic Reyes for me needs to stay patient. Uh, Jan Blachowicz needs to um, push forward the pressure, and then it's a matter of you know who breaks first, right? So I actually I don't see it going your way the way you're you're predicting. That would be exciting, but uh, I think Dominic Reyes is. I, I'm predicting two, two five round fights that go to decision. So I think Dominic Reyes is um is going to win by decision. I know that sounds crazy, even when I say it out loud, but I think that's going to happen. Um, side note on that, I do think it must be a little frustrating. You pointed out, uh, you know, he had that great fight with John Jones. I thought he won. A lot of people did. A lot of people didn't. It's One of those, you know, that gets split on. But it must have burned him a little for John Jones to vacate the belt, leave the division, and Dominic Reyes never got his shot at redemption. On the other hand, you must think, like, okay, that monkey's off my back. Now I don't have to worry about training again to beat someone I feel I already beat. I can just move on with my life. So a little bit of breath of fresh air in that same in that same scenario. Um, that being said, these guys are both killers. They're very dangerous, and I still think Dominic Reyes is going to be able to Keep his pace, you know, dictate the pace, land punches, land kicks, and and stay just a little bit on the outside, enough to to win by by decision. Um, I don't know what they're saying. You know, they're probably both saying they're going to knock each other out. That's what they like to say. But uh, that's where I'm going. Not as exciting as yours. And so if I'm paying 60-whatever dollars for the pay-per-view, I think I'd rather see your outcome. But, you know. We'll have to wait and see for Saturday.
0: Yeah, what do you mean, if you're paying? What's up? No, no, no. I'm, pa- I'm okay. No,
1: hold on, hold on. I'm the dork who pays for every single pay-per-view with full full price. But I suspect there's folks out there who have ways of not doing that. What? Um, and so just, you know, just the things I hear. This, is However. A, this is a thing? I don't know, man. I really don't know. <laughs> I'm not cool enough to know. But, um. I'm paying full price, like always. I probably pay doubles. I Somehow I probably find a way to pay for it twice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you a hard time. All right. <laughs> I mean, I think we're pretty squared away on that one. So you got the, we're our agreement. Um, we both have Adesanya in the main event. We've got a, a split. Natalie's got Dominic Reyes. I've got Jan Blahovich in the co-main. It's going to be a great night of fights. And then, of course, next week... We stay on the island for a big weight clash: Holly Holm versus Irene Aldana. Um, Aldana, sorry. And mm-hmm. you know what, Natalie? Um, I think the biggest thing is that I think this is the first time where I feel like they are trying to springboard somebody over Holly Holm. Probably yeah. since Valentina Shevchenko, because every way I look at this booking, I'm like, you know what, you. When you look at Amanda Nunes at Wade, it's like, you know, you are trying to push someone in Aldana who's been, you know, a little inconsistent in her UFC career to a title fight because you need fresh blood in there. And that's a dangerous thing against somebody who is just so consistent like Holly. So it's going to be quite the fight, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for it. I love Irene Aldana. Big Holly Holm fan. And Aldana's last fight, she knocked I can't remember her opponent, but she knocked her out. You don't see that too often. So I'm really, really fired up for this. I know we had to wait a little bit longer because uh,
0: it was postponed. But this is, a, this is a good, good main event. I mean, I'm ready for it. I think it's going to be a great show. Natalie, we will be back next week to recap everything. We are going to Fight Island in spirit. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So guys, thank you for listening and we'll be back next week.